0: Good morning. good morning what a joy and a privilege it is for us my wife and i to stand before you today to bring the word of god we want to say thanks to pastor brian and pastor Janet and the missions leadership team i got it right this time and all the others who are responsible for honoring us this way we're grateful to grace chapel for your partnership for the last number of years Uh, that is helping us to train Indian Christians and Nepali Christian leaders and Myanmar Christian leaders uh, to become uh, leaders of the church in the Indian subcontinent. Thank you for your partnership. We are grateful. We were blessed by a visit from Pastor Brian and Karen a number of years ago, and we hope that they will soon come back. And earlier this year, We were blessed by a visit by Pastor Janet and some of the elders. And uh, a number of years ago, Grace Chapel used to regularly send mission teams to India. And we are hoping that you will resume that. We really need you to come and and see what God is doing in India, as well as help us in whatever way you can. Uh, I'm delighted and honored uh, to bring the word of God uh, to you today. Uh, you know, to ask an Indian preacher to preach 20 minutes is really torturing him. (laughs) Because we are trained to preach long. You know why? Because our people walk to church. As a small boy, I walked over an hour to come to church. Can you imagine walking to church this morning over an hour? And then your preacher stands up and preaches for 20 minutes? If we do that, our people will stone us <laughs> because they want to get their walkings worth. So we are trying to preach, I have preached often three hours non-stop, without putting anybody to sleep. <laughs> so are you ready for a <laughs> but I know if I preach three hours you will stone me. So <laughs> let's turn to our Bible, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, 35 to 38, for our text this morning. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, 35 to 38. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you this morning. Speak to us, O Lord, so that we might have a glimpse of your heart. We might have a glimpse of how you see the world, how you desire to bring hope and a future to this world that is so hopeless and lost. Bless each and everyone who is hearing your word this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Within the limited time we have, we will look at this passage and try to see how Jesus saw the world in which he lived and how he responded to what he saw. In Matthew 9.35, Matthew summarizes the ministry of Jesus using three words, just as he had done earlier in Matthew 4.23. Matthew 4.23 says, And Matthew 9.35 kind of acts like two bookends. And in between, you see Matthew telling us what the Lord Jesus did. He uses three words. Teaching, preaching, healing. Notice, the first word is teaching. Jesus spent most of his time ministering to a few people, teaching the word of God. That was what he did most. Then, of course, he preached, and, of course, he healed. And Matthew also tells us where he did it. And all of us know where Jesus lived and ministered. Matthew uses these words, all the towns and villages in their synagogues. Jesus was a Jew, and his ministry was primarily to his own brothers and sisters. It's surprising to find out. It might shock some of us, to know that Jesus never traveled in one direction from the place of his birth more than 150 or 200 miles. Jesus was born in New England. He never saw New York City. (laughs) Imagine that. Except for one journey that his daddy and mommy took him when he was a baby. All of you know that journey, right? His ministry was confined to his people, and most of the time to the church, the Old Testament church. And that's what Matthew tells us here. Yet, Matthew nine thirty six tells us how he found them. God's people, covenant people, how he found them. Often we read it carelessly and therefore we don't see the full impact of what Jesus saw. Here, Matthew uses a number of word pictures to tell us what Jesus saw. The first and prominent picture of the scripture here is sheep without a shepherd. See that picture with me this morning. Sheep without a shepherd. Borrowed from the book of Numbers. Way back 1,500 years earlier, Moses, the leader of God's people, God's church, prayed, specifically prayed these words. Lord, let the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep without shepherd. As sheep without a shepherd. Let it not be so, he prayed in Numbers 27, 17. But 1,500 years later, when the Son of God comes, that's precisely how he found the covenant people, precisely. And as a result, because there was no shepherd, God's people, Matthew uses two words to describe their condition. Number one, harassed. Even a casual consultation of various English translations will tell us it's a difficult word to translate in the original. Therefore, we see, for example, in King James, the word fainted. New American Standard, distrust. NIV, RSV, and ESV, harassed. Why so many different words? Because it is a difficult word to translate. Actually, this word is a picture. Koine Greek had this amazing ability that it can paint a picture with one word, and that's what is happening here. The word used here is the word from which we get our English word skin, eskalmanoi. Let me try to show you that picture that Jesus saw. Remember, this is in the context of a synagogue, a place of worship. In first century Palestine, men and women attended synagogue, but they didn't sit like we do, mixed seating. Men sat on one side, women on the other side, just like we still do in India. And when the word of God was read or preached, they didn't sit. They respected the word of God so much, they stood when the word of God was read and preached. And the preacher got to sit down. (laughs) I'm praying, Pastor Brian, we can bring those days back again. (laughs) So we can preach long, and you won't fall asleep when we preach. No, just joking. Just kidding. So imagine that. Jesus being seated, teaching, preaching, Men standing on one side, women standing on the other side. Some agreeing with him, some frowning, like some of you are doing now. (laughs) Just trying to keep you awake, that's all. But what does he see? King James uses the word fainted. Nobody was literally fainted there, but that's what Jesus saw. Fainted. A paints the picture of a flock of sheep taken captive by an evil creature. Please listen to me carefully. This is what Jesus saw. A flock of sheep taken captive by an evil creature and this evil creature is destroying this flock of sheep. How? Slitting their throats? No. Killing them one by one. How? Skinning them alive. Can you see that gruesome picture? What a horrible sight. What a horrible thing to do. But isn't that what the enemy is doing? Isn't that what he is doing to our teenagers? Isn't that what he is doing in the name of fun? To our communities, to our families? Destroying them. Skinning them alive. I often say, you can travel all through America if you just know a couple words. Okay, fine. (laughs) This morning you walked into this church maybe carrying a burden, maybe hurt. And somebody asks you, how are you? And what was your reply? Fine. The amazing and the beautiful thing is even though we say fine, our Lord sees us as we are. In the words of Philip Yancey, the well-known writer, he who knows you best loves you most. Oh, I love that. He knows me better than my wife would ever know, more than my children, my grandchildren. He knows all of my flaws and weaknesses, and yet he loves me. So why are we trying to hide from him? Are you trying to hide from him today? Oh, may I ask you, my brother, my sister, no need to hide from him. He will not condemn you. Just come to him as you are and say, Lord, I need your help. He is more than glad to help. He is more than glad to bless. His desire is to bless and not hurt. Oh, let me go quickly to the second word. Matthew uses another word. This time the picture is that of an individual taken captive by a group of robbers who robbed this person of everything and has mortally wounded this person and this person is laying flat on his face unable to get up. This is what Jesus saw in the church. Not out in the world, in the church. How many of us this morning are in that condition? Deeply hurt, Unable to share it with anybody else? Hiding it from others? Listen, my brother, listen, my sister. There is somebody who cares for you, somebody who loves you, somebody who wants to bless you. If only you will just open up and just call on him. Have you done that? A Menoy, which is translated, scattered abroad in King James, helpless in RSV and IV, and dispirited in New American. That's the picture. And this tells us exactly what Jesus told us in John 10.10. In John 10.10, Jesus tells us why the enemy comes. Listen, the enemy might come as a beautiful girl or a handsome young man to destroy your marriage. But the enemy's purpose is not to help you. It is to destroy you. We must be wise enough to know that because the enemy never comes to help. Jesus said in John 10.10, why the enemy comes. He comes to, you know the scripture, tell it with me, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Young teenager, when that friend of yours offers you that drug, he is not your friend, he is not trying to help you, that enemy is trying to destroy you, resist it, say no to it. Because the enemy never comes to help. Only to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what Jesus saw in the church. But the amazing thing is how Jesus is responding to it. You know, Jesus had all the reason to say, hey, you deserve this mess. That's what probably I would have said. That's probably what many of us would have said. Jesus could have said, I sent you prophet, I gave you the word of God, I sent you Moses, I sent you Elijah, I sent you Isaiah, you have the book. You are in this mess because you don't obey the book. He could have said that, but that's not what he says. When he sees the covenant people being destroyed by the enemy, the scripture says he had compassion on. Compassion. It's an amazing word. The word that is translated compassion here occurs only 12 times in the New Testament. It occurs only in the first three Gospels. Listen to me. It occurs only about Jesus or in his mouth. Did you hear me? Am I speaking English? (laughs) Did you know English? India is the largest English-speaking country in the world. Yep, America is not the largest English-speaking country. (laughs) India is the largest English-speaking country in the world. That's why these days when you dial an 800 number, guess where your phone is answered. (laughs) We speak the king's English. You think we have an accent? Compassion. Compassion. Let me take you into that word a little deep. I really need three hours to really do. (laughs) Turn quickly to Mark chapter 1, 40 40 40 to 42. Mark 1, 40 and 42. There you will read, if you will open your Bible and look, you will read the story of a leper coming to Christ. How many of you have seen a leper? Only a few. If you come to India, we still have many. In fact, we have two churches that we started from the seminary. I have had the privilege of baptizing a number of them. Most people won't touch a leper. Leprosy is a horrible disease. It eats away your nose, your toes, your fingers. Leprosy was feared in the days of Jesus more than we fear Ebola today or AIDS today. And a leper couldn't walk down the street like a normal human being could. He or she had to dress differently, cover every part of their body except for their eyes, shout, unclean, unclean, whenever they walk down the street. Because if a clean person, that means a person who is not a leper, accidentally came near them and touched them, the leper could be stoned to death. In India, we used to burn them alive. Hindus believe in reincarnations. Hindus believe your present birth is because of what you did in your last birth, last life. Karma, you heard the word karma, I'm sure. And so they said a leper is born as a leper because he or she did horrible thing in the past life. So the best thing we can do for them is burn them alive. Then they will be born as clean person next birth. And I hope you know who spoke against it, who wrote against it. It is Christian missionaries, William Carey. And then people like Ram, uh, Raja Ram Mohan Roy, Indian reformers joined with him and they p- finally government passed a law banning that. That's how horribly... Lepers were treated in India. That's how horribly lepers were treated in Jesus' time. If you have seen the movie Ben-Hur, there is a graphic description or graphic scenes of leprosy in there in that movie. But look, this man comes to Jesus. Some English translations say came near Jesus. No, he couldn't come near Jesus. He had to stand 30 cubits away. And standing there, he shouted and said to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me Clean. Notice he doesn't say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Means in his own mind, he was dirty, unclean. He was an untouchable, to use another Indian word. But look what Jesus does. Jesus had compassion on him. Splangnicsomai, by the way, it is that word from which we get our English word spleen. Jesus had compassion on him. And what does he do? He violates the law of Moses. The Lord of Moses says, don't go near a leper. Don't touch a leper. But look what my Jesus does. He goes to that leper and he touches him. How do you suppose Jesus touched him? Like that? <laughs> As if touching something dirty? No, no, no. I believe Jesus hugged him. That's what I see. Jesus hugged him. And the moment Jesus touches him, what happens to the man? He's made clean. He's made whole. His skin becomes like the skin of a newborn child. But do you know what happened to Jesus? Jesus became unclean. According to the law of Moses. Jesus became unclean. Jesus took the uncleanness of that leper upon himself. This is precisely what Jesus would do for us. This is precisely what he did for me as a 19-year-old young man living in southern India. I too was a leper. But my Jesus came and hugged me, removed the leprosy from me, the leprosy of sin. He took it upon himself. And that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 21. I hope all of you know that scripture. He who knew no sin became sin for us oh what an amazing good news of the gospel no other religion of the world teaches this all the other religions of the world say if you want to come to god you have to make yourself holy you have to earn good karma you have to do hajj you have to do this you have to do that and then god might accept you but gospel alone says come to him as you are he will remove your uncleanness. He will give you his own righteousness. Have you done that, my brother, my sister? Have you called on the Lord? Are you sure you are pure today? Not because you are a good person, but because of what Christ did for you. If you haven't done it, call on him right now. Jesus himself said, Jesus himself said in John chapter 6 and 37, I will in no way cast out the one who comes to me. Whoever comes to me, I'll never drive away. And Paul says in Romans ten thirteen, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This certainty is not in Hinduism. This certainty is not in Islam. Only the gospel gives you this certainty. And if you don't have this certainty this morning, I beg you, my brother, I beg you, my sister, call on him before you go out of here. He will cleanse you. He will make you a... New creation. I told you this word occurs only 12 times. And if you will look up and study those 12 passages, you will see in every one of those passages, either Jesus or the character in the story that he tells, does something unexpected, does something miraculous, and changes the situation. The only exception is Matthew 9. Here Jesus doesn't do anything. He turns to you. He turns to me. He turns to us who are his disciples. And he gives us a command. He tells us the harvest is plenteous. Laborers are few. I like the King James translation here. Where it says pray ye therefore. This is the only prayer request if I can use that word. Actually it's a prayer command that the Lord has given to the church But most of us don't take him seriously. Most of us don't take him seriously. It's an imperative, it's a command. He turns to you and I and says, The harvest is plenteous. What is the harvest? What is the biblical picture of harvest? Harvest is hurting people, hurting people. They're here, right here in Lexington, in Boston, in the United States of America. They're all over. In my own country of India, 1.25 billion people with a B, billion. Home to 4,693 ethnic groups. Did you see that number? I know for some of you, we all look the same, right? (laughs) That's okay, we forgive you. When my wife and I came to America as a young couple, Guess what? (laughs) Just trying to keep you awake, that's all. 4,693 ethnic groups, of which over 2,000 ethnic groups still have no church of their own. Home to 416 languages, of which over 100 still don't have any Bible translated into them. Are you aware of it? Do you see the harvest as Jesus sees? Do you care about it? India is home to the largest number of unreached people groups in the world. Some mega groups. And that's why the Lord asked us to leave our jobs in Southern California and go to North India. In North India, we are foreigners. I'm wearing North Indian garb. This is foreign, where I was born and raised in Southern India. Food is different. Culture is different. And the Lord enabled us to start a small theological seminary. We started very small. I don't have time to elaborate on it. If you're interested to know more about it, you can go to our webpage, ntcdoon.org, ntcdoon.org. You can visit the seminary webpage or goodnewsforindia.org. It will tell you a little bit more about our ministry. Our primary goal is to make disciples of all the remaining ethnic groups of India. And praise God, our graduates are precisely doing that. Hundreds of them. I wish I could tell you the stories of a few of them. I don't have time. Kepi Philippos is one, a cross-cultural missionary. again came and trained and went to a difficult part of North India. To a rather primitive tribe. He comes from a very well-to-do home. And he goes and he meets the chief of the tribe. And the chief serves him a dinner. To sit on the floor. There's a plate of plate heaped up with rice and Philippos said he couldn't believe what he saw on top of it a boiled rat with ears and tail and everything delicacy of that particular tribe delicacy his honored guest so the honored guest is being treated and he Philippos being raised in a well to do home in southern India had eaten nothing like that but he had to eat He said, I managed to take a little bit of it and hide it in the rice and swallowed it. (laughs) But now he tells me, he calls me uncle. He tells me, uncle, now that's the best meal I can have. He loves that people. Within the last 12 years, he has baptized over 9,000 of them. People who had never heard the name of Jesus. Over 9,000, I was with him not so long ago. And I I met this chief who came. He wanted to meet me and pray. pray. He he was, he's a powerful man in charge of a large tribe. Eight wives and 36 children. You talk about church growth. (laughs) When one family is baptized. I prayed with him. Philippos told me he was a feared man. People feared him. He's murdered many people with his own hand. But now he loves Jesus. He's like a little lamb. Where there was no hope, Jesus brought hope. Stories, there are many, many stories. I, I, Maybe next time I'll share some of them with you. What is our response? Jesus is asking us, will you pray? What is our response? Let me close by pointing to you what I believe Every one of us must do. Number one, we must obey Matthew 9, 38. Is that a priority in your prayer life? If not, make it a priority today. Don't just pray for yourself. Pray for others. Pray for your colleagues who do not know Jesus. Pray for them by name. Jesus said, ask and he shall receive. We think that applies only to money or cars. No, its primary application is for people. Pray for people by name. And when you pray, pray for India also. And other countries represented by all these great men and women who stood here. Number two, let us see the needy around us as Jesus would see. Not to condemn them. Listen, if it weren't for the grace of God, there go you, there go I. We are no better than any. It is only the grace of God. Don't condemn people. Pray for them. Give generously to missions. We are grateful to you for your partnership. You're helping us to train these Indian young men and women. Nepalis and Myanmaris. We have some graduates now. The most proud one I want to tell is a young lady who is a missionary in Vietnam now. Our graduate. Praise God. It's because... You stood with us, we can do that. Number four, and this I want to speak particularly to young people who are listening to me here. Some of you, I would, I would hope some of you will respond to Jesus and say, Jesus, if you call me, I'll go to an unreached people group. If you call me, I'll go to an unreached language that still need Bible translation. Listen, that's an exciting thing you can do. Think big, dream big. Don't be satisfied with a three-bedroom home and two cars and two dogs. <laughs> do something for the kingdom. Oh, these are all important. I'm not saying and Dogs are important. <laughs> I'm not saying. <laughs> but if we can do something for the kingdom, if we can bring the Bible to a people that do not have the Bible, how exciting would it be? I hope some of you young people would say to Jesus this morning, Lord, I will respond. I'll go. I'll go. Number one, pray. Number two, see people as Jesus sees them. Number three, give generously. If you cannot go, give generously so people can go. People like Philippos can be trained and send. And number four, go. Would you close your eyes with me? Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for having compassion on us while we were lost sinners for redeeming us from the clutches of sin and making us your children. Lord, I pray if there is any here who is listening to me tonight, this morning, who doesn't know you, I pray you give that person grace to call on you right now. Lord, I know most who are listening to me know you. Give us grace to obey you, to pray for the harvest, to do everything we can to reach and touch people who are desperately in need. Thank you, Lord, for Grace Chapel and its worldwide vision. I pray blessing upon Pastor Brian and all the staff and elders and all those who are attending this, all those who are members of this congregation. Thank you for speaking to us. May the word that is spoken today become a blessing for us and not a curse. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. I took a few minutes longer. Forgive me.